Welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast. I am Chris Patrick, and with me, as always, my co-host, replacing Henry Cavill as Superman in the DC Universe, Michael Benjamin. What up? What up? Happy 2023 to everybody. Yes, sir. Happy New Year. Glad to be back. And also our other co-host and the third third of the crew here, Arizona native and food truck Yelp reviewer, VSP Tallman. Thank you. Uh, good to be here. Glad to have you back, fellas. Uh, first podcast of the new year. Um, it, we kind of slow rolled the end of 2022 through the holiday season, but baby, we are back and better than ever. We got a new logo. We got a lot of things going on the channel, and we're going to keep pushing that through here in uh, 2023 and excited to see what it brings. But how was your guys' uh, how was your guys' holiday and end of the new year, Tallman? Oh, it was really good. Great Christmas, great uh, great New Year, New Year's Eve, great birthday. Thank you guys for coming out and having fun. That was a good time. Oh yeah. Um, even though that uh, golf simulator thing was kind of ass, but <clears throat> we may do with it. So. Was the simulator ass or were we ass? Ah, uh, it's a combination of both. I think there was a couple I know I hit good and it just went like twenty yards on the. Thing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was definitely <laughs> ass. I'm not a golfer, so. But you know what? The cool thing about having Tallman's birthday on New Year's Eve is that we always have an excuse to celebrate and have a good time. So, happy birthday, Tallman! Thank um, you. We're we're gonna have a pretty cool trip coming up as well for his bachelor party. Oh yeah, the boys getting married next month, so we'll be in Vegas next week Oof. for Wild Card Weekend. I'm super excited, man. That's for sure. Yeah, and we're we're lucky to have a wild card weekend because someone who's not having such a great new year, uh the Buffalo Bills and DeMar Hamlin in particular. And I don't mean to to make light of a, a horrible situation as as many of us saw and I think everyone saw around the around the world and especially this country is just that incident with T Higgins and DeMar Hamlin, his heart stopped. Uh, he was being worked on for like, I think, nine minutes uh, to try and resuscitate him and, and bring him back. And he was taken out in the ambulance. Now, um, as we're recording this here, January 7th, the reports are very positive uh, that he's in stable condition. He is breathing on his own. He's uh, talking, uh, communicating with people and seems to have a pretty good uh, neurological function. So uh, Valley Sports plug. And I, I can I think I can speak for Tallman and Mike and saying, you know, we wish him and his family the best and, and a speedy recovery. Hard to say if he'll ever play football again. It's kind of one thing at a time. Um, I know from personal experience as a Steelers fan, I saw a scary that scary incident with Ryan Shazier um, and him being paralyzed. And he's he's fought uh, tooth and nail to get back to where he is. He's he never was able to play and on the pro level again, but he's up and walking. But um, Mike, I want to pass it over to you first on kind of your thoughts and reaction to that whole incident and and everything that happened. I mean, just how a lot of people probably perceived it as well it was a very scary situation it is one of those sporting event moments where you're going to be able to look back and remember where you were when you found out the news or if you were watching the game I mean for a lot of people this is week 17 you know a lot of us football fans have fantasy implications and you're just thinking about the game as a whole and how's how it's going to go and you know less than 10 minutes into that game a man is being resuscitated on the on the football field it's just we know that football is a violent game but it's really kind of the last thing on your mind that somebody's having to be fighting for their life there 
You know, there's plenty of times that guys get severely injured, tear their ACLs, tear their pecs, and that kind of stuff, but it's normally the show goes on. And this was definitely an unprecedented situation for not only the league, but the players, the fans, the coaches. And I think they did a remarkable job in regards to making the decisions that they did. They obviously were in a in a pickle at the end of the day, trying to find out what the best solution was going to be. But at that point, it was more important to see what was going to happen with DeMar Hamlin with his health and his safety and to stop the game and postpone it. I, you know, I give props to um, those involved. I think I give a lot of props to both the coaches for the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals for reading the room correctly at the end of the day. So I'll pass back to you. Yeah, I, I think I, I tend to agree. I think canceling the game was the right decision, keeping things, you know, moving and the implications. Of course, now the Bengals and Bills are this weekend coming up, have big games. They, they're they going to have implications for the playoffs. But overall, the fact that it was still able to work logistically, I think is the best possible outcome and the right thing to do. Uh, Tom, and I want to give you a chance just to, to share your thoughts on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, scary situation. I mean, we sit here as, you know, avid football fans and we watch these you know, superstar players and all this stuff, whatnot. And you forget that they're human, you know, you think these guys are just indestructible. And then uh, we know it's a violent sport and it's scary, but just to see that type of thing happen and to see how the whole country kind of came together for this one guy that, you know, unfortunately we no one knew about, well, at least, uh, you know, we probably had no idea who DeMar Hamlin was, and unfortunately, we had to learn about him and his story and who he is as a player and a you know as as a person. Unfortunately, we had to learn about him through this you know you know tragic scenario. But um, it was incredible to see how everyone came together. I mean, everyone was um, kind of wishing him well, praying for his family, praying for his health, and it shows you how secondary football is, even at the highest level, even when a multi-billion-dollar you know uh, company, the NFL. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it only matters about is he going to be okay? Is he going to be alive? They did the right thing, calling the game, as Mike said. And then just props to the NFL uh, medical staff, you know, the team staff, the doctors that they had on the sideline. They were on him in seconds. And they probably saved that young man's life. That's for sure. So props to them. And incredible news coming out yesterday that he was able to, you know, get the tube off, breathe on his own. And then you guys saw the story where he had the first thing he asked, granted he couldn't uh couldn't speak at that time, but he was he was writing a note. He said, Who won the game? I mean, that's the first thing on his mind. It's crazy. So and you know, we're out of it as in saying we're out of it as in the Cardinals are out of it. I'm pushing for a Bills Super Bowl. Get this this team needs to rally around this kid and win a Super Bowl for him. Wouldn't that be the best? That would be such a great story. Hey, you know, you you risked your life for us, you know, because he had to step up in a starting role after uh, was it Micah Hyde got hurt, I believe. So yeah, he stepped up for the team, second year player. Um, so they're gonna if they can step up in the playoffs and win a Super Bowl in his honor, that would be like goosebumps, man. That would be an incredible thing to see. So I'd love to see that. I think how how can you not like uh, I don't know if that qualifies as a Cinderella story, but a, any any storyline like that, like you said, those guys can rally around. 
around him and in that situation it was scary for all of them you could see the look on their faces the the raw emotion like i i remember talking to you guys that night texting back and forth like i couldn't imagine going back out there after seeing that happen and putting yourself in his shoes it's just terrifying but you're talking about silver linings from the incident uh, it, I think it was pretty cool. He did have uh, some type of charity for a toy drive, I think it was, for underprivileged children. Um, hopefully I'm not getting that too wrong. But anyway, the goal originally for this uh, funding was like $2,500 was the goal. And last I, the re- most recent article I saw, it's up to $7.7 million in donations. That's incredible. That is outstanding. And I don't know how he's going to distribute all that money, if it's going to be multiple charities or just that one charity that he was originally pledged to, but no, without a doubt, just really cool. And I think speaks to the widespread, um, you know, impact of this all and how many people really, it was, it was headline, you know, breaking news for, for a few days there and really glad to hear he's doing better. And and we'll keep a pulse on that story, but guys, we have a lot to talk about and talking about football, uh, Tom, and you mentioned the bills as kind of your favorite of course, you mentioned the Cardinals out of playoff contention, and, and I want to talk more about the Cardinals. But first, Mike, I want to ask you, who is your pick for uh, winning the Super Bowl this year? I was leaning towards the Philadelphia Eagles. Shout out to our boy Drama. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried with Jalen Hurts' health. I think they're going to go where he goes. He might play this week, though. Well, that's good. I mean, he needs to be healthy, and he needs to get some rhythm going into the playoffs. Uh, don't like the Vikings. They've been a fraud all year. Point differential speaks for itself. Kirk Cousins will fold in the playoffs. It's just nothing new. You know, you can never really count out Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. One way, one day you're thinking that they're going down the wrong way, and then they figure it out and are in uh, contention for the number one seed in the AFC. But I'm kind of with you guys. I mean, it would just be the cherry on top and an absolute storybook ending for the Buffalo Bills to make it to the mountaintop this year. And I think with the amount of injuries that Josh Allen has been fighting through this year and consistently still playing at a high level, they're kind of in that next steps of taking their movement to the top. We see it in the NBA with teams that struggle for a while. I mean, last season, you know, the Buffalo Bills might have beat the Kansas City Chiefs if it wasn't for the overtime rules. So I, I think that squad has something really ready to go here. And I guess the one unfortunate situation about what did happen and transpired from the cancellation of that game is now the Cincinnati Bengals, who were in the Super Bowl, have a little bit more of an uphill battle where it sounds like they're kind of a little bit upset with the way that the scenario has broken down, where the Ravens might have a little bit of a better chance to have some better seedings. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like the Bills. I'm, I'm probably looking at probably Eagles, Bills, Super Bowl. And then at that point, honestly, it might be a toss-up. But That'd be I think, an awesome Super Bowl. I think whoever's playing the best at That'd the quarterback be position at that point is going to end up taking it. Yeah, and there's a lot of really good quarterbacks and offenses in this playoffs, and I think that's what makes it really exciting. Uh, I don't believe in a, in like any team like the Vikings or the Cowboys. Um, I'm I'm not even a lot of people like the 49ers and what they've been doing, but with Brock Purdy at the helm, uh, I think just his inexperience can really. He hasn't lost a game yet, though. I don't think he has. No. No. Well, yeah. he they almost gave it to the Raiders last week, but mm-hmm. it was a hell of a game. I mean, yeah, you got to be a realist. The, the San Francisco 49ers are playing the best defensive football in the league right now. But, but yeah, do Jared, I want to say yeah, that? Jared Siddham put up 34 <laughs> on the best 
defense in the yeah. league. Well, but they also have a ton of offensive weapons when you're talking about Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I I still do think Kittle. it comes down to the inexperience of Brock Purdy, and he'll be able to stand up through a, a playoff run. I mean, my goodness, the Green Bay Packers were absolutely horrendous this year, and if they win, I got a stat for you. Go, they're gonna make the playoffs again, and you'd never really want to count out Aaron Rodgers, especially if they have momentum going into the playoffs. And they have built up a real big head of steam, and and that momentum. Tallman, what you got? So the the Cardinals were four and eight. The Packers were four and eight at the same time. Wow! Packers are probably going to make the playoffs. It's when and they're in. They have their own, you know, their own fates in their hand. But they haven't lost a game since they're four and eight. So as Mike said, they built up a head of steam. I mean, as when Matt Lafleur, that's their head coach. Yeah, he has never lost a game in December as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. That must be nice, man. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, huh? My goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, talk about somebody that I would not want to play in the first round if I'm one of those top seeds. I don't want to play Aaron Rodgers in the first. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that it, would be. It does, yeah, and like, that's what I was kind of just saying. Is like It seems like they're coming into form, and that that's a good stat. I mean, I'm holding my breath that the Steelers can squeak their way into the playoffs here if all things go right uh, with the Dolphins and the Patriots losing, but I don't expect them to have much of an impact. Uh, they're just another one of those teams where it's, it's they don't have the quite the talent they're not co- totally complete but enough about that let's let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals like I said we have a lot have to talk to? about we do Tom and we <laughs> do and um, I know we're also going to talk about the Suns later so this this uh, portion about the Cardinals I really want you to shine um, and tell me what do you think they should do with DeAndre Hopkins he's deactivated now for the rest of the season he hasn't played two games if they if they trade him they would free up 14.915 million dollars but they would take on 7.75 million in dead cap money so do you keep D-Hop do you trade D-Hop what do you do so you said I have to shine right now is you gotta shine the, is that what that was? you gotta shine brother okay Oh man, You're in the DeAndre Hopkins. Talk about somebody who is just all about me, 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 me. And then you, we always forget that he's his own agent too. That even plays into the fact that he's even more about himself. Yeah. No, you can't. You can't work this deal for me. I'm going to do it myself because I want the blah blah blah. You know, that's just DeAndre Hopkins. He is. He is a me guy. He's not a team guy. And I think it's time that he goes and does his thing he's worried about stats he's worried about his legacy he wants to be in the hall of fame he wants to win the super bowl yeah and he's not going to get that done here he doesn't care about money i'm sure money is a big driving factor but he wants to be somewhere where he can win and be one of the greatest of all times so that's not what we need right now especially going to the next season when we might not even have kyler murray for the first four or six games who knows so he's probably looking ahead going what the hell is going on I need to get out and he's going to force his way out. He's going to force the Cardinals hand and we need to trade him. We need to get something back. And you got to think this was a team last year. We get, we traded a first round pick for Hollywood Brown. And then that would be another discussion after this when Hopkins is potentially gone. Who's the number one, but we traded a first round pick for Hollywood. What do you think we could get for Deandre Hopkins? We need to turn around. We, I don't want to say we're in the rebuilding stage going into the next season, but we, we might be. At least we're going to be a, a major retooling. They're going to be, there's going to be a huge shift. But we need to get something back for him um, because he's not even signed next year, right? Who? Hopkins. I think he is. He's signed. Is he? Yeah. 
Okay. For next season. I think for next, next season. season. Okay. Well, okay. Going back. All right. He's going to push his way out. He's going to force us to trade him. So I bet yeah. you we trade him to somebody and hopefully we can get a first round pick, a second round pick back for him. <sighs> and we use that to potentially build our team. But can you, can you be rebuilding when you're paying a quarterback like Kyler Murray that much money? Can you have a quarterback you're paying that much money and be rebuilding? You got to hit on those picks, man, because so much of that cap space is going to be, you know, given to, to Kyler Murray where you got to hit on those picks. So it's got to be like a reload, not a rebuild, because we can't oh, afford re, another yeah, season reload, of four retool, and whatever. But I don't know, man. You, you got to think about how, what's going to happen to the to the front office, what's going to happen potentially to the coaching staff. And then we're talking about so many, what, we have 29 unrestricted free agents going into next season. Half the roster is not even signed. And then you got to think about our offensive line, which is the most important thing you know, we got to protect the little guy that's going to be coming back from a major injury. We're going to need a whole new offensive line. There's a so lot of work who are they going to sign? Who are they going to draft? You know, you need that draft capital. We're getting rid of Hopkins, which, granted, we've loved having him. He's one of the best, you know, top five players right now. You know, one of the best Cardinals we've seen in recent years. But you got to think about the big picture. He's got to go. You got to get some good draft capital for him. And you need to fucking pick an offensive lineman that's going to be here for the next six to eight years and he's going to be you know kyler murray's right hand man so that's what they need to do he's he's going bye-bye i don't think i don't see him on the cardinals next season and that's okay the saddest thing about this entire scenario is that we really never got to experience what deandre hopkins and hollywood brown would look like together through a good chunk of a season because of the injuries and unfortunately, that's just how it happens sometimes. I mean, you really got to have the football gods bless you because injuries happen all the time. But the way that the suspension started and then <laughs> Hopkins was supposed to come back and Hollywood literally hurts himself the week before. I mean, can't make the shit up. Can't make it up, man. It's so sad. Uh, the thing that does worry me is the kind of dead cap money in regards to trading. If you just take that seven million hit, I mean you're already putting yourself at a disadvantage as a franchise. We need so many pieces. I know Tallman alluded to it already. That offensive line completely has to be restructured. I know you still have DJ Humphreys. You might bring guys back like Max Garcia, but they're already old. You need to start bringing in some new blood. And we're going to have to get lucky with some guys taking some pay cuts with the amount of free agents we have to sign. And we can't really be flushing out crazy amounts of cash to get some of these better free agents. I mean, it's going to have to be a plug and play, hopefully cross your fingers kind of scenario next season. I mean, the biggest thing too, who's going to start the season at quarterback? You can't, ru you can't rush back. Kyler Murray is Colt McCoy going to be able to hold his ground for four weeks. If you have to have him stand, he's getting old. Day? I mean, he already he proved retire. this season. He couldn't, do it. He was hurt. He had a stinger or something every single game until that concussion basically put him out. I think at that point, the Cardinals were waving the white flag and they're saying, yeah, let's go with David. Blah, blah, blah. blah. But it's going to be interesting. I I am with you and I do echo some sentiments with Tallman in regards to sometimes DeAndre Hopkins was a me guy. But holy crap, dude, did he produce on the field while he was here? And he was a dominant presence. But I think you just need to start to kind of retool this offense as well. If you're going to have guys like Rondell Moore back, if you're going to have Hollywood be in your top three, 
I would like to see a little bit bigger of a wide receiver come into this room and see if you can get some of those jump balls instead of just the speedsters on the outside. Okay. It's going to be different. That's just the truth of the fact. So Yeah, and Mike, so you bring up a good question then with uh... – DeAndre Hopkins in his production, he did have games where he had a lot of targets, was very productive, but was that maybe almost a hindrance when it comes to Cliff Kingsbury and game planning? Tallman mentions he's a big ego. He commands the ball. Was Cliff maybe hesitant to call certain plays because it was not towards Hopkins and he feared how Hopkins might throw a fit if he wasn't involved in the majority of plays? Um, I think it could be addition by subtraction in, in getting rid of a guy like that. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of questions and you know, you mentioned the cap space and all this, these moves, a lot of people we have to re-sign. Another thing that does, I think, clear up some cap space in a kind of a sad way is the retirement of J.J. Watt, which was announced, I think, uh, about a week ago. And, you know, he's getting up there. He's been around. He's, I think, one of the top 20 or so of all time. Uh, but, Mike, what do you think about the retirement of J.J. Watt? Would you like to have seen him back for one more year? I, of course, I mean, especially with how productive he's ha- he's been this season. I mean, his sixth season with over 10 sacks. He's been our basically one mainstay with any kind of pressure on the quarterback the entire season. But, I mean, you go back to it and you think about what's happened to him this year in itself with his health scare and him having to get his heart shocked back to proper rhythm. And now that he's had his first child come uh, into this world, I think that he's put enough tape out there and he feels comfortable with the decision that he's made. So it was time for him to step away and be with his family and be there for, you know, his son and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm sad. Um, he was a great guy. He was a camaraderie guy. He, he really embraced the Valley. I think that was one of the things that I really loved about him when he came here too. And it was cool to have that tandem of Hopkins and Watt who came over from Houston and you thought you were going to kind of get that genuine, you know, momentum and love for the Valley and help us propel. And they did to a certain extent. And then we fell short in the wayside at you know what we've seen these past three years with them on the team but you know shouts to jj watt i hope that he stays kind of a staple within the valley i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up staying here and living here for you know a good amount of times throughout the year he'll probably go back between here and wisconsin where he's from uh and you know where his family is but you know ultimate professional you know, I don't think I, he wasn't here for a long enough time to put him on the same levels as a Larry Fitzgerald or anything like that. But when you think back on the time that he was here, I'm going to think fondly of J.J. Watt for sure as an Arizona Cardinal. Definitely, definitely. He's a, just a great guy. And like you said, embracing the Valley and really being all in when he got here, it really stood out. And it seemed like to me like he was here longer than he actually was. Of course, we all know most of his tenure in the NFL was in Houston, but yeah, just a just a great guy, and his presence on the field will be missed. I, it's going to be curious to see who we're going to have coming off the edge uh, next season, but that's something they're going to have to figure out. It sounds like Rodney Hudson probably isn't coming back either. He reworked his deal to be taking less money next year, so if he retires, I don't know, quite know the implications there. I imagine he still gets something. Um, but yeah, Tommen, like you said, like you've been saying, there's a lot of roster spots that are going to be open next year, and if we do trade Hopkins, who do you think? would be the number one uh, receiver. Do you think it's Hollywood Brown or do we start looking at a guy like Rondale Moore to fill that role? 
it's going to be neither of them. Um, Hollywood's not a number one receiver. I think we can all agree with that. Um, he's going to want to get paid too. I think we got we got him for one more season, but the way his agent works, he doesn't let his players go into their last year of their deal without an extension. So mm-hmm. he's going to be looking for money. So are the Cardinals going to give him that money? Are they going to give him that Christian Kirk money? You know, Oof. there's going to be a team that will give him that money. So it's going to be tough if we lose Hopkins. And then you sit there, we're going to have a new general uh, manager as well. So if it was still Steve Keim and he gave up a first-round pick for Hollywood, you know Hollywood gets signed because he's not going to admit that failure. Oh, I'm not going to sign this guy that I you know, threw out a first-round pick for. So it's, it's going to be interesting when that new GM comes in. How does he evaluate Hollywood Brown? I think he's a decent player. He kind of filled the shoes a little bit of Hopkins, but he's not, I don't know if he's that number one guy. So I don't think the number one receiver is on the roster right now. Honestly, that's, I think that's kind of a hot take. It is. I I don't think it is. I don't think it's on, he's not on the, he's not on the roster right now. So where do you get him? Where do you get him from the draft? Do we have some crazy deal where they trade D hot for somebody that actually wants to be here? And who that is, I don't know. We can yeah. speculate all day, but I don't think it's I don't think it's Hollywood. I don't think it's definitely not Rondale. I mean, you, we, we're talking about guys that are shorter than us. We're talking about guys that are five foot nine, ten. That's true. Rondale, he know? had good games though. Oh, we, yeah, he did. But he, and then you're right. I think this coaching staff hasn't really bro hasn't really used these players to their full full potential. I mean, and a prime example is, sure. is Rondale Moore. You know, every time Rondale Moore gets the ball, he's it's always a wide receiver screen pass. So, well, it's like it's, I said on the last Heat Check Live that we did. I asked you the hypothetical question of when you have all this talent on the roster, who's to blame when it doesn't work out? And the obvious answer is Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. Absolutely. Um, so I, I kind of want to piggyback off, I think, kind of what you're alluding to and what you said there with, we're probably going to have a new GM. It seems inevitable. A, whether it's yeah. a- Adrian Wilson or someone else, um, they're going to have to look at a lot of things. And they'll have no loyalty to these guys that are on the roster already. So guys like Rondale Moore, Greg Dorch, they'll have no problems cutting ties and going in a different direction. Um, but Mike, when you take a look at the head coaching vacancy, potentially, and having Cliff Kingsbury under contract, a new GM has to decide if he wants to work with Cliff Kingsbury or move on. If he decides to move on, how attractive is the head coaching job in Arizona? I think there's a different, there's a lot of different factors that go into the attractiveness of a coaching job. And it's not just a, about the team around you. It's about the place that you're going to be as well. I mean, Let's not sugarcoat it, guys. I mean, Arizona is one of the best places to live, and it's not just because we live here. I mean, we see it from the amount of transplants of people that come here all the time. Preach. I mean, uh, people from Chicago, people from L.A., California. people from the Midwest, from the East Coast. It's way too cold out there, so they get to Arizona to get in the heat, and we are in the prime time, baby, right now. I mean, it is 65, 70 degrees outside and sunny. You're not going to have to be shoveling no damn snow right now where plenty of people back east are. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. I think a big part of this coaching search is, especially when Black Monday comes, you need to get a GM in here early if you're not ready to pinpoint your head coach because they need to see the direction that you're going into. 
right? So if the Cardinals are going to promote from within and go with Adrian Wilson, that's fine. But it needs to be done right away because you have to have these coaching searches early. I mean, we've talked about guys like Sean Payton, a new name that a lot of people are very infatuated with right now is D'Amico Ryans with the San Francisco 49ers. That can be a big culture change. But there's a the one thing about the NFL is, you know, it's a what have you done lately league. So yep. there's a lot of coaches who are just flushing in and out consistently. And there's a lot of opportunities for those guys. I mean, they've been talking about Sean Payton going to the Denver Broncos. I mean, do you guys think that we have a better situation than the Denver Broncos? I know the Denver Broncos have had a really tough season and it seemed like they quit on Nathaniel Hackett. But were there all these sexual misconduct allegations? Were there's all were, were was there all these off-field scenarios going on there? So that's where you could see those kind of things leaning towards those other franchises. But at the end of the day, I still think that, you know, our facilities that we have in Tempe and in Glendale the young core that we have. I know people are still, even though Kyler Murray went down with his ACL, they're infatuated with what he can be and what he can bring to the field. I think you got to get that right leader in there and really hold his hand and take him to that next level and we'll be just fine. I don't know if it'll be just fine next year, but we'll be just fine within the next couple of years, I think. I think there's a lot more potential. And and to, to your question about the Broncos comparison to the Cardinals and, and that vacant coaching vacancy. I think you just look at the quarterback position and you do have Kyler coming off an ACL injury, but much younger, I think a much higher ceiling at this point in his career than a guy like Russell Wilson, who a lot of people kind of have made the consensus that he's washed up and he's not going to be that guy ever again that he was. Sounds like there's some people within the Broncos organization that do still believe in him, but there's just a lot of questions. I don't think either position is you know, terribly attractive just from the perspective of the amount of work it's going to take to get those organizations back to where they need to be. But if it goes goes well and it works out, that could look good on a resume. So a guy like Sean Payton doesn't really have to worry about a resume. He already has most of his career behind him, but could be could be a guy that with that experience and pedigree help, comes in here and really helps turn it around. Uh, Tallman, uh, as we kind of finish up talking about football and the Cardinals here. I uh, just wanted to give you the floor for your thoughts on the coaching vacancy and yeah, anything else. So I'm going to throw Sean Payton as an option out the window. Okay. He's not coming to Arizona. Okay. What we all keep talking about, where is he going to go? Who, what team is he going to you know sign with? We keep forgetting that whatever team he wants to sign with, you owe the saints compensation for him. And let's go back to the John Gruden deal between the Raiders and the between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they gave two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and $8 million. Do you think the Cardinals are going to give two first-round picks to the Saints for Sean Payton? We can't afford that, we can't. dude. No. With how horrible our roster's looking right now, we, we're not going to. It's not going to happen. And we're going to call it a pipe dream right now. Would we love to have him? Absolutely, but it's not going to happen. So unfortunately, I'm I'm going to be... That guy, I'm going to be negative. It's not going to happen. If he comes here, if they want to send send out for a huge trade package to the Saints, all these draft picks for Sean Payton, when it's not even a guarantee that it's, he's going to be able to turn this team around. Fair, yeah. Where it's it's not going to happen. So 
And if if I have to see here on another podcast, whatever, a couple months down the road, and I have to eat my words, I will. Because I want him to be the coach of the Arizona Cardinals. But I just don't see it happening. I don't see it coming to fruition. So because you guys were talking about is it is it a is it a sexy job? Yeah. It's well, whoever comes in here, whoever it is, I I, I don't even know who it's gonna be. Um, it might even be Cliff Kingsbury. But whoever comes in here is going to have to tear down everything and rebuild a completely new culture. There's no more telling your coach on the sideline to calm the fuck down. Whoever comes in here, even if it's Cliff... Cliff doesn't have it in him. Dude, I'm somebody sorry. Needs to, someone him. needs to take fucking Kyler, lean him over their fucking lap, and fucking spank <laughs> that shit out of him. He needs to grow up. He needs to recognize his place. We need somebody that comes in here and commands the room. The head coach needs to be in charge. Exactly. We need people that are afraid of the head coach. Do you think anyone in that locker room is afraid of, of Cliff Kingsbury? No. Would oh, any of that shit go, flown with uh, Bruce Arians when he was oh, here? No. You think if a, if a defensive back, you know, fucked up on a play and then he's jogging back to the sideline, he goes, oh, man, I know I'm going to get it right now from the head coach on the sideline. Do you think anybody on that team was worried about Cliff coming up to them and chewing them a fucking new one on the sideline? Hell no. After they had a mental air on the field? And cause their their team whatever a touchdown who knows no there's no there's no fear in that locker room no one is afraid of him so he either needs to go and there's a little feeling inside of me I I'm like so hopeful that on Black Monday we all get the notification on our phone that he's been fired he being Cliff Kingsbury I'm so hoping for Can't that wait. because I would love to see this whole new culture, as I say. And you can't build a new culture if Cliff is still there, right? Unless, if they keep him, and I have this weird feeling that they're going to give him another chance because, oh, there was all these injuries, and, um, oh, Cliff didn't build the team. That was Steve Kime. Yeah. Steve Kime's going to be the fall guy. They're going to blame everything on him. Oh, well, he built a bad team, but they didn't really mesh together well, and Cliff really got the shit end of the stick, right? But... Ultimately, if he stays, he needs to be the head coach. He is no longer the offensive coordinator. He is no longer calling plays. He be the head coach. Shit, I'd rather see Vance Joseph, Vance, uh, Joseph be the head coach and be the defensive coordinator and Cliff just be the OC. As scary as that sounds, right? Jesus. But, There's no change in that, though. No, yeah, no, what changes. No, yeah, what what I'm changes saying, exactly, but right that's what I'm saying. I'd rather see that happen than them just run it back. So Cliff needs to be the yeah. head coach. He needs to be the guy. And then they need to hire an offensive coordinator to come in and be the offensive coordinator. He needs to be the head coach, and this new OC needs to be the offensive guy. Because Cliff can't be the offensive coordinator and the head coach and have that relationship with Kyler Murray. Because normally the offensive coordinator is pretty close with the quarterback, right? And, you know, you can say certain things to each other, blah, blah, blah. You know, you guys are like friends. Like, you know, like... You and I, Chris, like if we have an argument, you know, we say, you know, like, fuck you, whatever. Y'all, you blah, can blah, tell then, the assistant, yeah. you can tell the, the yeah. offensive coordinator to, to shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. Exactly. You can't yeah. tell the head coach, you can't tell the the head coach that. That's yeah. where that, there's no fear in that. So Kyler's just like, well, I'm here forever. They paid me all this money. Cliff can't tell me shit. Yeah. So they need Cliff to be the head coach and people need to fear him. And that OC can have that, that face-to-face contact, you know, on the field during the games on the sideline. That new OC can have that with Kyler Murray. There needs to be that little buffer between the two, or there's no accountability. I, well, I mean, what am I saying accountability? There's none at all right now. Absolutely none. So they need to change. They need to tear it all down and rebuild a completely new culture. 
Yeah, I agree. I just don't see Cliff as a leader. I don't think he has it in him. Uh, but I do agree. I think there's a high likelihood that they will bring him back just because of just all so much uncertainty. I mean, do does Bidwell tell the next GM uh, you can I want to hire you, but you have to keep Cliff Kingsbury and you have to keep Kyler Murray? Those are the two. And like that's like so now they're already starting with their hands tied behind their back. I mean, if I'm sitting here and I'm a prospective GM, I don't want to keep Cliff Kingsbury. He's had his time to prove himself, and he just is not a leader. You could, if you watch Hard Knocks, you're like, this guy is not a leader of men. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he can give like the cookie cutter answers that he found on WikiHow of how to give a, a coaching <laughs> yeah. speech, and it's just all generic cookie cutter. Like, great job, work hard, blah blah blah. But it's like he's not, he's not a good leader, and I, he needs to go, in my opinion. Um, Mike, do you have any last words on the Cardinals and, and the offseason pending? Yeah, I think I'm glad that you brought up the hard knocks point because the one thing that always stuck in my mind was one of those first episodes after a loss and he was basically just like, we got to stick the fuck together. We got to <laughs> stick the fuck together. And you pan around the room and it just looks like everybody's so disinterested. It's like sometimes, I mean, these guys are all adults. They're in the league. They understand that you know, you have to do your job at some points. Sometimes guys need that criticism in front of the room to make them be held accountable about. It's like, well, we stick together, obviously, but like, how is how is this aspect not going right? You know, how are we not holding up the line to protect Kyler Murray? This is what we have to do better in front of everybody. So then they are accountable to doing their freaking job the next time that they come out on the field. One thing I will say, though, is the Cardinals have lost a lot of games this year, but you can't say that they haven't fought in most of those games. I mean, there's been plenty of games that have gone down to the wire, even with our fourth string quarterback. I mean, we're in it to the end. We have a chance to win the game and our defense can't hold up and we lose that game. Obviously, we want to be losing games for a better draft pick, so on and so forth. But this is we're so far down the line now, guys with where this team has gone the past couple of years, the folding at the end of seasons compounding into everything that's happened this season. I don't think there is any other option than to cut ties with Cliff Kingsbury and move forward in a different direction. There just can't be another option. I know that we have all of these different stipulations. Well, if you try to get Sean Payton, you got to make all these draft picks or, well, you know, if the GM, the new GM comes in, it has to be clipped. It's like, no, dude, like the fan base is also ha- the fan base has a say within an organization of what they want to see from a team as well. It's not just Michael Bidwell. You know how people show that they don't go to the games. They yeah. don't they sell their tickets. The Philadelphia Eagles are 70 percent of the fan base that is in State Farm Stadium on a, on a Sunday. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been crap, and it's basically just 50-50 splits. I mean, you're already starting to see it crumble at the foundations from the fan base standpoint. People aren't putting up $300 to go see David Blau suck ass. (laughs) Blau! You know, like, that's how you fight back, and that's how you get changes to be made. And it's already started to happen the past couple of years. So that's the only option at this point I see. And whoever it is, man, like I, I will, I will do my golf clap and I will say, "Yippee, hooray!" Let's let's try and figure out how to move forward and change the culture. 
because that's all you can. I don't know if it can be any worse. The only the only way that it could be worse is if you were literally tanking and in rebuild mode like the Houston Texans, purposely losing from the get-go. That's the only way that it would be different. Yeah, and we can't end up there. Like I said, we with a quarterback you're paying that much money, you just can't do it. But it's going to be very interesting to see. I'm I don't want to say I'm excited for the off season, but I'm curious for the off season. I think it's going to bring a lot of change. Um, I just hope it's positive change. But you know we'll keep be keeping tabs on that. We'll be talking about it on future episodes and all our live streams. So want to move on though because we have a lot to talk about in other Valley sports teams that are struggling, and in particular the Phoenix Suns. Mike, Mike, 0-3 to start the new year. I think they've lost their last five straight as of recording this. Um, Booker's out. Now campaign is out. Uh, Chris Paul's possibly out for a little while. What What is going on? Ooh-wee baby. The injury bug is biting, and it's biting hard. The last thing that you ever want to say for your team is make excuses with injuries because there's plenty of teams that are dealing with it, especially early this season as well, you know, guys on injury management. But right now, this team is just struggling to find itself on the offensive end, and it's started to transition over to the defense now. You know, we're having to rely on our bench players to play a lot more than we probably thought they were going to have to do. I mean, Landry Shamit playing 30 minutes a night. I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't think the Suns really signed up for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I will try and give some credit to Monty Williams. He has been looking to find solutions with the way that he's been working the lineup and trying different guys. I mean, putting Dario in the starting lineup, switching back between Biombo and Jock Lendell. But the the core root of the problem, I feel like right now, Chris and Tallman, is the inability of Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton to take that next step when we need them to, right? If you look at what happened this past offseason and going back to last year, you win a franchise record in wins for a season. So normally you don't want to completely cut ties and cut down the branch and start from anew, but you didn't win a title. So you can't do a completely let's run it back kind of situation, right? Yeah. You saw that you had some flaws and you needed to address them. And right now, unfortunately, it's not working out and it seems like they didn't address them. But they went the route with let's run it back, you know, but you let guys like JaVel McGee walk. I mean, that was going to be a tough scenario. He got kind of the last big contract that he could. Yeah. And you're missing Jay Crowder. You did. Uh, I don't know if they really knew that what the whole scenario was going to go with that at the start. But I mean, Cam Johnson out for two months campaign misses nine games. Come back, comes back against Cleveland Cavaliers, gets hurt right away. Devin Booker has had multiple injuries this year. It's the same thing, right? You, you leave them out for a little bit, hope that they get healthy and they come back and get hurt right away. Chris Paul is at the age now where if any little thing happens to him, he is out multiple games. Unless it is like a really, really just a quick stinger thing, like which happened last week. He yeah. came back and played against the Wizards the next night. 
but this team doesn't have enough firepower. I mean, we've been seeing like it's it's been like '90s basketball. I thought we freaking went in a time machine and have been watching, you know, the the 2004 Detroit Pistons yeah. scoring 85 points a it's game. Low, low scoring. It's crazy. Yeah, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but they. They just keep knocking themselves in the head with the way that they want to shoot threes, and this team is not consistent enough with that right now with the guys that are on the floor. And you're seeing, you know, Jimmy Butler last night didn't even have that great of a game. They got dominated by Victor Oladipo, and they lose. And they lose what? Their, was it fourth straight, fifth straight? Fifth, fifth straight. Uh, they haven't actually, yeah, f- no, sixth straight, I think. Because they lost to the Grizzlies, they lost to the Wizards. Or no, no, they beat the Grizzlies. I'm sorry. So yeah, it was their it was their fifth straight. I think the biggest thing at this point is you want to say, well, hold the line, right? You know, we were getting close to having Cam uh, Cam Johnson come back, but now there's question marks with Campaign's health. We don't know the extent of Chris Paul, but you know, we you have to build in like 25 to 30 games the possibility of not having Chris Paul into a season at this point. Yeah. And Booker's not going to be back for another three weeks. I mean, if this team doesn't try to address something before the trade deadline, we're going to be fighting for a play-in spot. Like, really, really just fighting to get that 10th spot. Because it's still, we're almost at the halfway point of the season, and the standings are kind of just fluctuating a little bit. But when you continue to lose and you can't really catch a breath with what continues to happen with this team, it's literally just going to be clawing and scratching to get into that tournament for this team. And it's a tough pill to swallow. I feel like that might be becoming my next favorite phrase. (laughs) I can't remember what my other one was. Do Do you remember, Tallman? Spring chicken. Yeah. No spring chicken. <laughs> That's right. Colt McCoy is no spring chicken. Chris Paul is no spring chicken. He is no, no spring he's chicken. Not. That's he's also not sure. an all-star anymore. So No, he's not. Oh, we could talk about all-star. That, Devin Booker, eighth, like barely ahead he's of buried, Austin Reeves. He's barely I mean, let, don't, let's not get started. It's, it's, it's a nowhere road. But <laughs> um, it's got to try and see if you can make a move here. But even with the limitations that you can make with a move, with the pieces that are out right now. Um, you know, I hope this team makes the playoffs, man. I'm, I'm like, I'm not down the road, like completely like dead forsaken and gone yet, but I really hope that they make playoffs because they yeah. are playing some of the worst basketball that they've played in the past three years. It's crazy how that's kind of shifted as the season's gone on, where we're like, okay, we'll be top three, top four seed, and then we're like, okay, we'll be top five seed, and now it's like, well, shit, I hope they can even make the playoffs. They're scrapping, and Mike, January, the the schedule is not getting any easier. Uh, Like I said, we're recording this on the 7th, and coming up tomorrow, we have the Cavaliers, then after that, it's the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, the Grizzlies, and the Nets. That's a tough stretch, and you talk about those those guys being out, Booker out till February. Um, you did also mention Cam Johnson out for two months. Uh, actually, tomorrow, January 8th, will be exactly two months since Cam Johnson went out, so we could be seeing him come back into the fold here this month. How much of an impact will he have when he gets back? I think it will. We'll really have to see. I hope. I hope he can make an impact. I hope he can come in because with Jay Crowder being out and Cam Johnson would being the guy that was supposed to take his spot, 
we haven't really gotten to see the full sample size of what that's going to look like, having him in that starting spot and his ability to be consistent. Uh, I know we've talked about his reckless nature and kind of, you know, you like a guy that leaves it all out there and has a high motor, but when it's coming to your own detriment and you're getting yourself injured, non-contact injuries, again, like like we said with Kyler Murray, I don't want to blame a guy when they get a non-contact injury like that, but at the same time, when you're playing a high-speed, fast-paced game, you got to be careful. Um, I, I could go on about that for days, but when looking at some of the past losses and, and the major head-scratchers, um, one of the deals that was being reported is that the Wizards offered Rui Hachimura and I think a pick for Jay Crowder, and the Suns declined it, saying that they wanted a starting caliber player. And then a day after that news broke, he scores 31 points on us. You got to love it, man. <laughs> like you can't you can't make this shit up. It's like and I don't know how much of that might have to do with uh, this other report that came out where Robert Sarver is still having to sign off on on any deal that happens. And I, I don't know if we were if this news had broke before we recorded the last heat check podcast but the suns potentially have a new owner uh, mike what was his name again matt ishbia 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 could be the new owner i think that deals in the works of being finalized and approved by the league i don't think final words come down yet but it it seems like all but a done deal the way the way it was being reported so i don't know how quickly he takes over when the reins are handed over when he'll actually have the ability to make decisions and we're not reliant on robert sarver who's away in the Hamptons or the Bahamas somewhere, sipping pina coladas, not having to worry about shit. Maybe with Jay Crowder somewhere, eating at a cafe, laughing it up about how they're getting paid to do nothing. Um, I don't know. I, obviously, I think Robert Sarver would have rather kept the team, but I don't want to get too caught up in the weeds and, and off track with that. It's just a lot of a lot of unfortunate things that have kind of snowballed into this situation where we ne- we're now scratching our heads. I mean... Tallman, from your perspective, what is what have you seen from the Suns, and what do you expect from them in January now and going forward through the rest of the season? Well, first of all, they they keep losing me money, <laughs> so I blame that solely on Chris Paul. Um, it's been rough because they started off pretty good, right? We did, and then now we're five hundred. Is yep, twenty and twenty as of twenty right and now twenty. Today. Look yep. at that. So expectations for January is can we play more 500 basketball until we get all the firepower back? You know, it's you can tell that they're just hanging on by a thread. We need Booker back. We need Cam Johnson back. And then it's, uh, okay, well, let's make a run at a, a playoff seed. But it's it's been pretty hard to watch. I mean... Big takeaway when I'm because I got I had the the privilege of watching that uh, Cavaliers game, and for some reason it was oh we need we need a bucket to send it to overtime, um, and they had Mikael Bridges shoot the shot, which he has just been so hot and cold offensively, uh, where arguably that should have been Chris Paul you know taking that shot, um, but I I don't get how come you're not. How come it's how come the offense is not running through DA? You know, normally the the offense runs through Booker. They do these pick and rolls, whatever. You know, DA comes up, sets a screen, and then you know you pass it out to DA or or excuse me, pass it out to Booker, and he's shooting it right. They're trying to fill that Booker role with with Shamit and what? Who else is shooting threes? Tory Craig. You know, help me out, Ish here. Wainwright. Anyone Ish, who yeah. can. Yeah. So it's uh, like Damian Lee. Anyone they, who can get their hands on sw- the ball. They need to switch it up. 
It needs to be DA needs 25, 30 points a game. He needs to be the centerpiece of this. I just don't see that happening at all. And I honestly, I don't think DA is ever going to be that player. Well, is that by is that by poor design and poor game plan, or is that because DeAndre Ayton just isn't that guy? I, I, he might not be that guy, but at the same time, when I'm watching the games, it looks like they're still playing. Their game plan is still like they have Booker, like they have a shooter like Booker. I mean, you guys see how this team is without Devin Booker. Obviously, he's Trash. everything. It's like the Cardinals without uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Well, you know, if we go two and four or three and three when we don't have D Hop, you know, when we get him back, <laughs> we'll be a whole different team. It's kind of like what the Suns are right now. It's, hey, well, as long as we can make by, we'll put a bandaid on it, try to make it until we can get Devin Booker back, then we'll be a whole different team. We're going to be just fine, right? So when do you hit the panic button? I think we hit the panic button with the Cardinals like after two weeks of DA, or of, uh, two weeks after DeAndre being back. We're like, well, we're just not a good football team. So mm-hmm. what happens when Booker comes back and we're still struggling? We're still clawing tooth and nail trying to get these Ws to try to get that seed right now because you said they're in a play-in position if the if the season ended today yeah you know that's not good um what i the biggest thing that i've seen is what are they doing with jay crowder don't you guys just want to know exactly what happened between that front office between that coaching staff and jay crowder don't you want to know exactly what happened because i mean at least it'd be like hey you know mutually we know you don't want to be here you know play with us you know showcase yourself you know make a team want to come get you but he hasn't played a, f- a fucking minute. I think that is the confusing thing, right? It's like, why is so he not what playing? what happened? Yeah. You know, and then him just sitting there, and he's a big piece of that team. I mean, we lost, you know, he was the um, he was the enforcer, right? You know, he, where you're missing a big aspect to your basketball team. And really what I what I would have loved them to do, I just botched that. Um, what I would love them to do is sell the farm, get Kyle Kuzma. But then you're talking about a, a Wizards team that is one, two, three games out of a playing spot themselves. Yeah, you know they've been on a little bit of a, a tear in a sense. They're they're I mean they beat the shit out of us, right? But if you could have got that guy, that's the guy you need. You need another scorer. You need somebody that's going to be, you know, a a, a compliment to Devin Booker because right now Chris Paul is not the answer. He's not a superstar anymore. And if we're talking about that playoff window. I think this is this is the season, and it just so happens that, you know, we're changing ownership, and like you mentioned, there's all this stuff going back where they probably can't even make a blockbuster. I'm not saying blockbuster; that's the wrong word. They can't make a high profile like trade. Impact trade, yeah, exactly. Uh, so we seem handcuffed with what we can do. This team cannot win how it's structured right now. Even if they get Devin Booker back, they need help. They need somebody else. So. I That's I agree with you much. as far as saying that like Chris Paul isn't that dude anymore, but I think it's there's going to be nights where he can be that dude, but just as on a consistent basis and and when it comes to reliability, we can't rely on Chris Paul. So you're right, we do need another guy who can come in and score and like like that word I keep using consistency, consistency, consistency because we've seen all of these guys on the roster go off any given night. You know, Bridges can have a, a great game, but then also a historically bad game the next night. Uh, Tory Craig might be hit in one night and then pretty useless the other nights this whole team and that's been my concern even when we were competitive and winning games with Booker I saw a lot of poor defense and times where you seem like guys were just taking the night off and 
I, I just don't know. There's just so many questions right now, and, and I really hope they can figure it out. I think with all these guys going out, um, as of January 5th, NBA teams can start signing guys to 10-day contracts. Mike, is there anyone, I know I'm throwing you this question out of the blue, but is there anyone that off the top of your head that you might want to see him try out for 10 days? You got to get a backup point guard. I know the Dallas Mavericks just released Kemba Walker. Uh, try it. Try it at this point. I got a couple of points that I want to throw in here. I'm going to try and be as fast as I possibly get can here. First and fo- foremost, I want to say, Tallman, you hit the fucking nail on the head when it comes to Jay Crowder. What is the situation? It almost goes back to the Arizona Cardinals and all the off-field situations that happened that trickled into their play on the field. I mean, everything that's happened with Jay Crowder off-season before everything started is having a huge effect in the way that this team is playing because they don't have a key contributor that they can rely on. The tough thing with Jay Crowder is I feel like he put himself in a corner because at the beginning of the season, people were thinking, well, he wasn't happy about Cam Johnson taking over his starting role. So that's why he maybe kind of was like being a little bit of a baby about it and that kind of stuff. But then, of course, he comes out and says, no, that wasn't it. That had nothing to do with it. Okay, Jay, well, then what is it? Why don't you want to be part of a, a team and a franchise that's just set a franchise record for wins? Is it the contract? Well, if it's the contract, Jay, you still look like the butt of the joke and the guy who is in the wrong. Why don't you just put your put some tape out there? Exactly. He's, what, 31 years old? He's getting to the point in his career where he really only has a couple of handful of true, true, really big impact, impact years left in his career where he can make double digits in the millions and why would you just let a whole half of a year go? Put your pride aside, play, see if maybe a, tra- a trade can be done before then, but we don't know the whole scenario. Um, let's go to DeAndre Ayton really quick. It's year five, guys. Normally, guys have started to cement themselves into what they are. You know, I'm at that game with Bree yesterday, and I'm having a conversation about her, about the disappointment that I've had in DeAndre Ayton and his consistency. This is something that we've talked about for plenty of time here. And in that time frame of about five minutes that we were talking, DeAndre Ayton had maybe the worst stretch of basketball that I've seen (laughs) in a very long time. He came down, turned over the ball, came down, took a horrible shot, came down, couldn't control a rebound, couldn't do this, couldn't do that. And I'm sitting to myself over here still hoping that the guy will prove me wrong. But we're at that point where we understand that he is not a number one guy. Yeah, He might not even be a number two guy, which is horrible. I can't believe that we're at that point. I mean, Luka Doncic is out here breaking every single five-year first record imaginable it's insane. that was set by LeBron James. And we're never going to be able to get that cloud over our head. It right. will always be with us as long as DeAndre Ayton is on our so team. Bad. And Chris Paul, we went into the season and we said, Chris Paul can't be the number two guy anymore. And it's not because we don't love Chris Paul. It's just because of the limitations that are coming with his game, with oh, yeah. his age. Mm-hmm. He can have those one-off situations and that, and, and that but... He cannot be that guy that you hope is going to get you 25 and 12 a night. It just, it's his time has come. Yeah. And, 
you know, Devin Booker was putting on a damn show to start this season, and now we don't have him, and you see where this team is, where it's basically built around him. And this team doesn't have anybody who can create off the dribble and get their own shots anymore. Chris Paul can't do it. DeAndre Ayton cannot do it. Oh, no. Um, Mikhail Bridges can't do it, which is a disappointment. Like, yeah. I, I was really hoping he was going to take that really next level step this year in his offensive game. And unfortunately, he hasn't done it. I'm not giving up on him just yet. But, man, I, I and I can only go off of the vacuum, which is of yesterday when I was actually at the game. He had some of the worst drives to the basket where he's like almost falling over, like getting the ball stripped from him kind of situations where you just don't see it from those high profile of guys. And you find yourself where we are now. Last 20 games. 7 and 13, December 5 and 10. January, like we were talking about before the podcast started, every team in Arizona has lost. We don't have a W in January yeah, calendar. 0 and 7 yet. of the four major sports teams. So, I mean, we have to find a way to transition into playing 500 basketball because we haven't even been able to do that over the past two months. So, that's what we're just hoping for and praying for in these. You know, next three weeks until we can get book back and figure out what happens by the trade deadline. And it sounds like Matt Ishbia won't be able to take over the team until after the trade deadline. Oh, so for James Jones' sake, you know, he's not an Ishbia guy. Hopefully, he is able to pull something off to change the trajectory of what this season is going in right now. Because the last point I'll make is championship level teams. They don't go on multi-losing multi streaks. Not three games, four games, five games like we've seen from this team right now. And I don't think we had lost three games in a row last year. And now we've on, like you said, multiple game winning streaks where we're losing three, four, five games at a time. You just, you can't have that. 20 and 20, that's 40 games in. So we're about halfway through the season. One more game will be exactly halfway through the season. We can't finish 41 and 41 and expect to be a serious playoff team so I agree this team needs to look different after the trade deadline and moves have to be made take a shot at Kemba I heard Dwight Howard's a free agent if you need another big guy Jock Landale has really taken a big step back campaign showed a flash and now he's taken a big step back you need consistent guys that can make an impact and be consistent I will continue to say that um so lot we're going to have to keep tabs on here. Mike and I will keep coming at you with bi-weekly recaps of what's going on with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, this episode that's going to be coming out next is probably not going to be pretty. So uh, make sure you have uh, your uh, face protection or goggles or whatever you need on to, to help the, the pain and suffering. Uh, but Tallman, Michael Benjamin, we're kicking off 2023 on a very low note. It can only go up from here, right? Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys being here. So for these guys, I'm Chris Patrick. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. Valley Sports Plug is back at it again. We will see you all soon. Peace.